You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Happy February 2nd, or as I like to say, the first day of the rest of our lives. And only good things happen from here on out. Because <laughs> yesterday was a doozy, and if you missed any of it, I certainly shared it plenty because I needed everyone to commiserate with me and make me feel better about my day by telling me they're there. Things will get better. It's okay. It did make me feel better. Thank you all. And if you haven't listened, listen to last night's podcast. There's about a 10 minute or so pre-party that really, really gets you through everything that went down yesterday. But today is a new day. It is still super weak, I think. Fitz, I can't tell because I've been looking around for some bulletin board material. Guys talking trash. I've been looking for that eye-opening story about a player's past, but they've never talked about before, and this week they opened up. I've been looking for anything other than legacy talk for these two quarterbacks, and I can't find it. Yeah, this is an incredible Super Bowl coming up on sa- on Sunday, on Saturday. Good, I moved the day. I moved the game. I finally. Accomplished <laughs> I mean, that's the literally wants. how much we're not hearing about the Super Bowl. Fitz doesn't know what day it's on. <laughs> Look, I'm just I'm just putting it in everybody's minds. I finally moved the Super Bowl to Saturday, like we all really wanted to be. So you know, so this is going to be an incredible game between two franchises that have absolutely played lights out to get here with two awesome quarterbacks, and I can't wait to watch the game for what it's going to be—a great game. Unfortunately, the week leading up to it just doesn't have its usual pop. Now, let's be honest, Sarah. I mean, if you and I were in Tampa, we'd probably feel a little differently. But instead, yeah. we're both in blizzard conditions, uh, <laughs> shoveling our way out, uh, literally and figuratively, every single day. So, you know, maybe that's part of it. But you're right. There is a, a vibe, a, a push, a, a just an explosiveness that usually is around Super Bowl week that simply isn't there this week. And, and what we have are a bunch of people that are all speaking really kindly to each other, and everybody seems to be kumbayaing around the campfire and we're gonna have to wait for Sunday to get any of the action yeah unfortunately I think there's uh, not that many new stories to tell about Tom Brady which is part of it or even the Chiefs because they were just in it last year there's certainly lots to learn about and I've seen some stories that have been a little bit more you know intriguing and compelling than your average but for the most part it's a lot of regurgitation and what's interesting about the Brady revisiting which we're doing is And Pablo Torre pointed this out today on Highly Questionable. We treat Brady saying, maybe I'll play after 45 now, as if it is breaking news, when in fact it is Brady playing the hits. We have been playing this game with him for like seven years now, right? Where we're setting arbitrary numbers after which we finally will say, well, nobody defeats Father Time, right? Give a little (laughs) wink to the camera and say, 38, that's the year. Okay, 39, fine, 40, okay, 41, you're right, 42, okay, it's now 43, okay, whenever you want is where I have landed on this. Do I look stupid to you? Don't answer that, because I'm not going to be stupid enough to yet again place an arbitrary number on when Tom Brady's going to run out of chances to keep playing, because he's already passed many of them. And to that end, I mean, how many times can we be wrong, right? Like, right. there are certain inevitabilities at this point. Like, I think it's fairly inevitable to just expect, until we hear otherwise, expect that Tom Brady's going to be in the league and competing at a Super Bowl level. Until we see otherwise, I expect the Chiefs to do the same. Like, I think we're in that a little bit of that moment that the NBA felt for a, a generation when it felt like we were getting uh, the Warriors in every sort of finals matchup. But uh, at some point, what we end up with is the definition of insanity. We keep just repeating 
repeating the same thing. I'm not going to bet against the Chiefs until their team falls apart, and I'm not going to bet against <laughs> Tom Brady until he decides he doesn't want to play. It's funny you said that because that's literally what I said today. I said, I'm not in the business anymore of betting against Tom Brady. I am occasionally in the business of betting against the team he's playing against, which is the case in this Super Bowl with the Chiefs, where right now I'm leaning towards picking them. But him individually, the storyline for me isn't can he play after an arbitrary number that we've assigned. It's twofold. Number one is the way it makes us feel about ourselves to see someone making certain sacrifices in pursuit of something that they're passionate about. We're going to have a guest on later who wrote about trying to replicate Tom Brady's diet just for, I think, one week, right? Not a long time. And how difficult it was. And we like to make fun of him for being an anti-strawberrian or for the many sacrifices that he makes. And I think part of— really, Wait, wait. Is strawberrian really a I mean— I think you know, he used it in the story, and I really appreciated it. I do not think it's a word. <laughs> I think it's a great new word that has—a portmanteau, if you will. So anyway— <laughs> Which is a word. Um, I I think that there's a realization, and for some of us, and I've thought about this a lot in my life, and I think probably you have too as a musician, some of the greatest people at whatever they've done have been a little manic or mad, right? Their their ability to excel has stemmed from uh, an obsession that makes them fairly unhappy, unhappy in other parts of life. I'm not saying that about Tom Brady, but I'm saying some of us are willing to say, I'm putting a limit on what I'll do to achieve that because I don't actually think it will be in pursuit of a great happiness or satisfaction. It would be an obsession. And and so we look at Tom Brady and we crack jokes about what he sacrifices in part because it's it's more comfortable than saying to ourselves, I'm not willing to do that for anything that I care about, right? So that's partly interesting to me is the way we handle his aging as an impossibility when, in fact, we're just saying it's impossible for us because we don't want to do that. And then also the idea of just because you can, should you? And as a giant Michael Jordan fan, to me, the element there is he deserved to go out in whatever way and whenever he wanted for whatever team in whatever quality of play he had remaining. That doesn't mean that the that status that status with the Wizards and and the stint that he did there wasn't disappointing to people who wish he had just ended it with that shot over Byron Russell. Well, I mean, there's a little bit of a like do you do, when you look back on that era of MJ. I mean, plumpy MJ. Let's be real. Like he was a little, mm-hmm. you know, it was a little thick, a thick MJ. I mean, there is a spot where we can say, oh, what did it do to his legacy in the moment? In that in that immediate moment, maybe that was a conversation. But now that that has sort of dulled, I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of the time that we talk about Michael Jordan has nothing to do with that, right? Like right. I think Brady's in this rarefied air at this point that you know he'll play until he doesn't want to play anymore, and unless the wheels just completely fall off out of the blue and it costs them everything, I don't know that it really costs him anything in the process. Right. Like his legacy is so set to me where. Here it is. I, I just, I think we make all of this so complicated. When for Brady, you're right. He's just, he's earned the right to play for as long as he wants to play, doing whatever he wants to do until he's done. And I'm tired of getting my butt kicked by him. Yeah, I, I and I, I think I think the elements around it are much more interesting than just the what does it mean for his legacy and at what age are we guessing he should be done. To me, it's more interesting to get into why he pursues it and continues, which seems like a simple answer. He's had a ton of success. He's adding to his legacy. But we know that it's, what, at least four years ago now, maybe more that Giselle Bunchen sort of publicly talked about wanting him to stop, that he was getting concussed regularly in tiny little ways that maybe weren't registering for the public but were deeply affecting her and their family. And yet he's back out every year with a with and and as we could see, still with great success. So that's interesting to me. 
And he's doing it, by the way, while he's the fun money in the house. I, I was always have to right. point that out. Like, yeah, that's He's that's the vacation nice fund. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's this element of the, the risk he puts his body through uh, to, to be the fun money in the house. It's just a reminder, though, as much as I joke about it, of what makes him tick, his passion for this one thing. And, you know, I go back to some coaches that I've talked to in my life that as they got older never wanted to be away from the game because they just didn't know what life would be like in yep. that moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for Brady, obviously he's found he's found his thing and he's doing it better than all the rest of us are doing it at this age. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, represented by Progressive Insurance. Meanwhile, while Tom Brady is talking about, or at least we're talking about, all the sacrifices that he makes, uh, Gronkowski's talking about how he gets out of just wind sprints and workouts, right? Tom won't eat a strawberry for three decades, and Gronk can't handle doing some wind sprints. On his uh, Zoom call, he talked about tricking one of his coaches where they had to send little clips, just a couple reps, uh, to prove that they were doing their conditioning during OTAs from afar. And so he would do them, change into a different color shirt, do a couple, change into a different color shirt, do a couple, so that each day he could send part of a clip and act as if he had done full conditioning workouts each day. It's frankly brilliant. We really do undersell the mind of one Rob Gronkowski, but we wanted to know if you guys had similar stories. The most clever thing or excuse or way that you've gotten out of work, whether it be physical labor or actual job. We'll get into it a little bit later. Coming up, a former Packer had some interesting comments about Aaron Rodgers, and we've got some interesting stories about Super Bowls. It's next on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. That's brilliant. Some philosophy from one Jason Fitz. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius, XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. We're going to get to some interesting quotes from TJ Lang about Aaron Rodgers and hell-bent revenge. Uh, but we've been trying to do story time every show this week, some of our Super Bowl memories, sharing uh, some of the times that we have been on location for a Super Bowl, enjoying all the hubbub. So, Fitz, what's your story of the day? Okay, so my story of the day would be from the Super Bowl in New York. And so Broncos, uh, Seahawks, and that's the first, although I'd been around the Super Bowl experience, I hadn't actually gotten in the stadium. So we were playing the pregame show on Fox. Uh, so we knew uh, as a result that there were going to be some tickets. Uh, admittedly, some of the guys in the band didn't really want to go. So there was a whole, hey, do I have a way to get back to wherever we were going to be next? There was all this controversy. Finally, we figured out, yes, going into the stadium, we found out our seats were going to be eight rows off the field. But we had Ooh. to play a show beforehand that was televised, like a portion of it was televised. So right before they came in and they told us that it was the third song in that would be televised. That's not uncommon because they want to give you a couple songs to get warmed up, plus they want to make sure all their levels are right, and then they put the third song on air, and then we still had to play the rest of a one-hour set for the VIPs that were in in attendance in this tailgate party area. So we made it through the first two songs. We knew the third song was going to be on TV. We stopped. We uh, we start that song in. Song went great. Song was phenomenal. Really proud, really happy with the way it went. For the rest of that set, uh, roughly 45 minutes, it might be some of the worst music I've ever played in my life, Sarah, because the whole time I was looking over at the security guard that I knew was going to take us into the stadium. All I cared about was going to the Super Bowl at that point. So I missed notes. I missed an ending. I triggered the wrong song at one point. I started oh, the wrong no. song. Like It was a, a brutal set, but then the funny thing is I didn't care. Like I packed all my stuff up. We went over, and one of the few moments in my life I've ever felt like a true baller was when this massive security escort just took us in to MetLife. Like everybody was waiting to get in we got taken through this like backside door we walked in they took us down to our seats eight rode off or rose off the field 
did the whole thing, the watched the whole Super Bowl, and uh, jumped up and down during Bruno Mars halftime show, which is still underrated, <laughs> second best of all time. So that was my that's one of my fondest memories. That's actually why the Super Bowl uh, forty eight is on my arm, on my tattoo, on my wow, right arm awesome. for my favorite moments. Uh, Jane McManus and I had uh, coverage passes, reporting passes for one of the Super Bowls in New York, and it wasn't until maybe twenty minutes before the game. Like was going to start that we realized that we could go on the field and we were like, what are we doing? So we tried to take as many laps, talk to as many people. And then as soon as the game ends right back on the field, which was pretty cool. Uh, OK, so my story is from 2006, 2007. Uh, the full story is way too long. So if you search Sarah Spain, that's what she said. Super Bowl story. You'll get a full podcast. And honestly, it deserves a full podcast because this story has been under misunderstood, told incorrectly skewered within an inch of its life, turned into something salacious. And I just, I'd love for you to hear the full story because it was clever and I find it endearing and not at all the way that's been spun. But anyway, the, sm- the short part of it is this week, uh, Dustin Diamond, who played Screech on Say by the Bell, passed away sadly at the age of 44 from cancer. And I hadn't thought about it in years, but Dustin Diamond is essentially what inspired me to go on eBay as a quote unquote date to the Super Bowl so that I could tell a bunch of radio stations, this crazy girl went on eBay, you should send her to the Super Bowl. Wouldn't that be a great story for your radio show? So I didn't actually want to be taken to the game. I, It's, it's a kind of a long story. But it was before things went viral. I put myself in a Bears cheerleading outfit on, Super, on eBay, and then I wrote a bunch of radio stations. Long story short, I ended up getting tickets for me, two of my girlfriends, a guy that we took with us, hotel, airfare, and got to see the Bears get their butts whooped by the Colts, and it rained a lot, and I cried. But the reason I did that is because Dustin Diamond was about to lose his house to foreclosure, and in 2006, he started selling T-shirts that said, Save My House, and he implored people to give him 15 bucks to help him save his house, and he had sent people to a website, and he talked about it on Howard Stern. So I said, I wish I could do that. I could just have everybody, like, you know, if like 5,000 people gave me $1, I could go to the Super Bowl. I didn't know how expensive tickets were. <laughs> and then I was like, why would anyone give me a dollar? Nobody knows me. I'm not I'm not Screech. And also, how would I create search engine optimization so people could find the website that I create that says send me to the Super Bowl? My friend says, why don't you go on eBay? Then everything comes together. And here we are again. Please Google Sarah Spain. That's what she said. Super Bowl. And, and listen to the full story. Definitely don't click on any link from 2007, especially not on a blog because I promise you it will not be real or factual. Um, but thank you to Dustin Diamond for almost foreclosing his house uh, because it inspired a wild ride that resulted in me meeting a whole lot of people in the industry and as part of my career. Um, and RIP to him. Unfortunately, we both talked about how obsessed we were with that show and how many great memories there might have been had the things that he did after the show ended not uh, kind of su- sullied, I think, his reputation and kind of muddied the way people remember him. Absolutely, a thousand percent. That's the unfortunate portion of it. And right now is a great time to remember just Screech for the comedic genius that he was on Saved by the Bell for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And also because Hot Sunday put out some bangers. Thought we'd always be together. Uh, put your mind to it. Go for it. Come on and break a sweat. Rock and roll. You ain't seen nothing yet. Just me? Okay. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. TJ Lang, former Packer, was on 97.1 The Ticket, and he added a little bit more to this conversation we've been having since the Packers' loss about what Aaron Rodgers needs and wants out of his team. I think he's going to be hell-bent on some revenge, man. <laughs> I, think, mm-hmm. I think he was quietly pissed, uh, you know, when they took Jordan Love a year ago. The one thing I'll say about Aaron Rodgers 
pretty much, you know, the last 10 years of his career, he's wanted that team just to go all in for one year, right? Just give me some pieces. Just let's just go all in. Let's trade a future first if we have to to get a couple guys. Let's just go all in for one year and try to win this thing, right? And then last year he kind of hinted at them doing that. Hey, I'm excited. Let's see if they who they can bring in, and they bring in a quarterback. <laughs> I think that was the <laughs> ultimate slap to the face. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you just feel like you're one piece away from winning the whole thing. I just I'm I love the analogy because if you think of a, a a player and his team as sort of a marriage, the idea of being hell bent on revenge while you're still with your spouse, not like after you part ways, but I'm like not sure how you could accomplish anything together if that's so maybe not that exact verbiage, but I do think there's an element of they inspired him for that MVP season, but that only goes so far if in the end they don't get anything out of him other than that one Super Bowl. I mean, if I'm the Packers and I'm looking at the production I got this year and that's hellbent on revenge, I'm good with it. Like, hey, stay mad at us. They're going to draft just, another it, quarterback? I mean, we'll just keep driving. I'll draft a quarterback every year. It gets me that level of production. So I think that if if the revenge concept is one that we buy into, it only works if that's the payoff. If the payoff is at some point that Aaron Rodgers says, see how great I am? Now, trade me. If he goes full Deshaun Watson, and I think that's a huge <laughs> if right now. Like, that's a massive leap. Even for hot takery artists, I think it's a big leap to get to there. But if that's what he did, then the revenge tour makes total and complete sense. Otherwise, uh, like all you're doing in your revenge process is helping the Packers. So great, be mad at me all day long, eh, Raj? Yeah, it's been an interesting thing to talk about how we see across sports this very undesirable behavior by the likes of, say, an Anthony Davis or uh, a James Harden, right? We don't like that out of our players, but it ultimately results in them getting what they want. Whereas Aaron Rodgers has been a good soldier where we talk a lot about how he's not getting the support he needs and he's not getting the talent he needs, but he's never held out. He's never not showed up to workouts. He's never threatened to trade. And what has he gotten in return for being the guy that every team wants? Not a lot. God, that's such a good point. And that, that, look, the only way it changes is if one quarterback at some point at the superstar level is the first to really hold his feet to the fire and say no. Kind of like Deshaun Watson. Uh. <laughs> uh, and by the way, I'm a huge Rodgers fan. I don't think he's completely absolvable here. He's obviously part of the reason they haven't kept going and winning more Super Bowls. But I think we can all see that the talent uh, around him isn't always there. Mina Kimes going to join us next, talk about all the football stories of the day. It's coming up next on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz. And I just stole Fitz's introduction to the show. You know what? You're doing such a good job. Go ahead, Sarah. It's no, 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 you Fitz. take. No, no, no. You, it's, you know, we like to alternate around here, but the peek behind the curtain, sometimes we forget who we yeah. said was going to start. And then there's like a sl- pause where we're both panicking. My bad. No, the, the great part is that in that little moment, I was like, am I supposed to take it? Is she supposed to take it? Then you took it. I wasn't going to fight you at all. Spain Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, and we'll get saved by one of the smartest guests we know <laughs> now. We'll go over to the Goodyear Hotline where we're joined by Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst. Mina, we're losing our mind. We're both in, a, in the middle of blizzard uh, conditions. Tell me you're in Tampa and not anywhere near snow right now, first and foremost. Well, I'm in L.A., so I'm not anywhere near snow. I'm headed to Tampa tomorrow. Actually, it looks like it's colder in Tampa than it oh, is yeah. in California. 40. Um, every, I know you guys, I'm sure, have seen our colleagues, Diana Rossini and Sal Pal, on television. They look kind of windswept down there. <laughs> so I'm hoping it warms up by the time I get there, but I'm looking forward to it. 
Well, we've been talking today about how Super Bowl week feels weird. Like there isn't the same electricity, mm. excitement around it, the randomness around it. So when you look at it for what you're most excited to cover, what do you think you can get out of Super Bowl week that really has you jazzed? Well, you know, it's a home game for Tampa. So I think despite all of the weirdness, I mean, the Chiefs are not arising until Saturday. Um, and, of course, there's going to be significantly fewer people, fans, media, everyone. Um, Tampa's they're very fortunate, not just from a football perspective, but the, the, the people of that city are excited about this Super Bowl. They are fans of the football team that are playing it in some ways. It's a blessing that the Bucks and now the conspiracy theorists can start buzzing. It's a blessing that the Bucks made it to the Super Bowl uh, in the strangest of all years to watch their hometown team. Yeah, it's unfortunate for the Tampa fans to keep having all this success in years where they can't truly enjoy it, whether that's the Stanley Cup or World Series and now the Super Bowl. But they don't have to travel to be a part of it. So in whatever way they could still be a part of the Super Bowl madness, at least it's right outside their doors. Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst with us. Okay, so all we're hearing is just legacy talk. And and to be honest, I'm kind of over it. I don't think either of these guys (laughs) needs to win this for anything to happen, whether that's the coaches or the players. So I'm I'm more interested in what Mina Kimes finds the most interesting about this matchup. And it can be nerdy and it can be statsy or it can be (laughs) totally off the wall. What are you most interested in as we lead up to this game? Um, I think the two defensive coordinators are having brilliant postseasons. Todd Bowles with the Bucks and Steve Spagnuolo with the Chiefs. And I think they've really got their work cut out for them. Uh, and I'm excited from a football perspective to see what they do. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard this stat, but Tom Brady is 2-3 and three against Steve Spagnuolo. There are not many humans, teams, entities in the NFL <laughs> that Tom Brady has a losing record against. Just strawberries. And it, it, just strawberries and Steve Spagnuolo, it turns out. <laughs> that's his kryptonite. So it's been fun to kind of go back and watch those games. Of course, you guys remember you know, the Giants Super Bowls, but Week 12 when the, uh, the, the Bucks did lose to Kansas City and see what Spagnuolo did because he's a very – he changes his game plan week to week. He's similar to Belichick in that way, and – you know, their defense is not incredibly talented. They've got solid players, and, you know, like Chris Jones might be the best defensive player on the field for any team, but a lot of it is dependent on scheme, timely blitzes, um, you know, disguising their intentions pre- and post-snap. So I'm curious to see if he changes his approach at all. And then on the other side of the football, yeah, you know, Week 12 was a really interesting rewatch for Tampa because basically poor Carlton Davis, who's a very good cornerback, just was obliterated by Terry Kill in the first quarter, as I'm sure you guys remember. They stopped pressing him, played uh, more soft zone, which is something we've seen defenses do to Mahomes, and really didn't blitz at all, and did have more success as the game went on. So I'm, you know, the Bucks defense has been very blitz happy all year, and they played. They've played two-man with great success in the playoffs. I'm curious to see which of those tendencies change, if any, against the Chiefs. If it was me, I wouldn't blitz Mahomes, barely ever. Um, And I imagine Bulls will take a similar approach. We're talking to Mina Kynes, ESPN NFL analyst. Mina, what kind of adjustments do the Chiefs need to make to their play calling to adjust for the injuries on the offensive line? Yeah, this, that's the big question all week because we're really it's unprecedented how banged up this offensive line is. And if it was any team but Kansas City, they would not be favored. So uh, 
and I'm not saying, you know, oh, poor Kansas City. They have the best quarterback, head coach, tight end. Oh, and, you know, Tyree Kill. It's stupid. But they do have a very banged-up offensive line. The only player who started week one is a center at, at his position, Austin Ryder. Um, I think you've seen out of Patrick Mahomes this season that he is capable of playing many different kinds of football games. And one of those types of games, uh, he's really was, he came out in week one and did it and has did it intermittently all year, is he has an incredible quick game. Hey, the Lenny. ball comes out hot. Um, and, you no, know, that's this, mine. That's, not <laughs> that's yours? Oh, I thought it was Lenny. Yeah, sorry, that's, that's sorry, Mia, Lenny. Go ahead. I thought I was, this was like the podcast where Lenny is, we, is we, featured. We can talk about Leonard Fournette if you want in a minute, but um, <laughs> playoff Lenny. But yeah, anyway, so the ball is going to come out hot. You're going to see a lot of RPOs and jet sweeps, fewer longer developing plays because that Bucks pass rush is terrifying. They are terrifying. It's Spain and Fitz. We're talking to Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, headed to Tampa soon. You are beating the Chiefs to Tampa. They have elected to go there the day before the game. Like, Friday maybe, I get it, but Saturday scares me. But it does provide somewhat of a bubble-ish because it's similar to what they've been doing all year. But Fitz and I have been talking on this show about how we were surprised that there wasn't a plan for maybe a Super Bowl bubble why they didn't decide that for yeah. the teams involved, they would offer up something concrete because there's no chance they want to play this game without a Tom Brady or a Patrick Mahomes or a Tyree Killer or an Andy Reid or anybody. Are you surprised I by that? I tell you. Yeah, no, I thought they would bubble up the week before, both teams, but um, clearly, and I think Tampa Bay feels the same way, they think they can, They've okay, these players have played in controlled environments all year at home. Let's just continue um, you know, we, we we know how this works. We've had the players test negative. Let's stick with those plans and just reinforce the importance of avoiding people all week. Um, and I get that. But I will say, like, I was on NFL Live on Monday. Adam Schefter popped onto the screen with a breaking news alert. And honestly, it was like the election when they do the key race alerts. Like, I was like, oh, my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like, my heart just started accelerating. <laughs> To see, you know, who who is he going to name, and is it going to be Patrick Mahomes? And it was, and I don't mean to downplay, you know, the the backup center Daniel Kilgore and Demarcus Robinson, uh, and I'm sure it would be horrible for them to miss the Super Bowl. But I think that's a feeling we'll have any time this week uh, if this sort of news breaks. It's going to be that moment of just kind of apprehension that it will be one of the superstars, and it will really impact the game. Does it impact, though, the game that it will feel so normal in the sense that the the Bucks are, are playing a home game, like you said earlier, the Chiefs yeah. are getting in so late? Like, this is just going to feel like a normal game in many ways to them. So how does that change what we usually see early in the Super Bowl? You know, I asked our colleague Dan Orlowski about this, and he said he doesn't think it's going to be a big deal at all just because it's Tampa, the weather's fine, um, you know, it's not a West Coast to East Coast thing, and – so far this year, home field advantage hasn't really been a thing, large part because of the fan issue, which is always a thing with the Super Bowl. There's a bigger, I guess, issue in terms of players being affected by the Super Bowl is the length of halftime, but that affects both teams equally. So I don't think there's going to be a competitive advantage. I also saw our colleague Jenna Lane reported that the NFL has said the cannons on the pirate ship will be <laughs> off. So no advantage there, Tampa. And I think that's very fair. Wow, absolutely. There cannot be any sort of canon imbalance at the Super Bowl. That we it's just not it's not it's not fair. Hey Mina, quickly, uh you know, we we remember distinctly uh, that moment when you were on the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gatz and you went on a zip line 
with your phone taped to your body to try to give yeah. the one most important thing that I believe it was the Eagles could do to stop Tom Brady yeah. and beat the Patriots. And you delivered it while screaming like an animal I can't even identify. Uh, but you got it right. You were like, they got to get pressure on Brady without having a blitz. They got to be able to rush for, and they did. So I ask you, what's the single most important thing that the Chiefs have to do to stop Tom Brady and the Bucks? The Bucks got to hit Mahomes. <laughs> with four again, I hate to say it. It's such a cliche. Oh, so you're reversing the take now. Now I'm the key is getting to so, Mahomes. Yeah, and it's interesting, Sarah, because I actually think the Chiefs have to blitz Brady. They're not going to get pressure with four uh, against that Bucks offensive line. So in some way, it's, it's everyone calls this game the passing of the torch. Well, I think it's the passing of the cliche torch. No longer do we say it's all about getting pressure with four against Brady. Now you must do that to Patrick Mahomes. Brady, you blitz him. Good stuff. Look, if it gives me some sort of a path that I can figure out in the future how my beloved Raiders can never beat Mahomes, I'll take it. Mina Kimes, <laughs> uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Travel safe, most importantly. Stay safe through all of this. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and thanks so much for your brilliance and your insight, my friend. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Mina. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can say big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up. Some controversy in the NBA last night around some fans and around some decisions they're making around what's coming soon for the league. We'll break it down next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Obviously, we'll get back to the Super Bowl preview talk as we continue to break down everything to expect in Tampa. But, Sarah, there was an interesting moment last night in the NBA, and it involved LeBron James and the Lakers playing in Atlanta against the Hawks. Now, the Hawks are one of the few teams in the NBA that are allowing anybody into the arena. Very few people are allowed in in general. They have to wear masks to sit anywhere near the players. You must take a uh, a fast response COVID test. So uh, they're going through all of their protocols. But it got ugly last night when uh, somebody sitting courtside, a, a man and his wife, uh, began a, a verbal altercation with LeBron James. It got heated enough that eventually uh, they were removed from the arena. So it has created the sensation today known as courtside <laughs> Karen. And, it, you know, it's because the the imagery you can't get out of your head of, uh, you know, the, the woman courtside with her mask off just yelling at the top of her lungs towards LeBron. It's almost funny if it weren't what we deal with so often in the world right now. But it's it's a funny moment that turned uh, it turned obviously problematic. Yeah, on on the one hand, I don't want to give her attention because I think that's what she wants, right? Not only with the actions during the game, but then posting Instagram videos after and now releasing a different statement today. Um, but I do think that the interesting part of it to me wasn't people being morons at games. This is a trend, and especially at the NBA where they're so close and the, and the players can hear them and they're separated by nothing. There's the fear, right, of having seen fans with bad intentions do damage to athletes when they had close access. But more so, it's just, I don't like the idea that they are pulling focus from the game and the players to themselves in whatever fashion they're doing so. And, you know, there's a little bit on whatever player responds to someone yelling things. You'd think by this point they'd sort of be immune to it. But at the same time, you don't pay and have the right because you paid to be there to yell F you and I'm going to beat you up and other things like that to an athlete or anything derogatory other than the average heckle. Be clever, be funny. But just going beyond that point to me is silly and and, and disrespectful and selfish because everyone wants to watch the game. 
And so when LeBron said this afterwards, I I, I don't believe him. I, I think there's a part of this that's true, but not all of it. No, at the end of the day, that's uh, I'm happy fans are back in the building. I miss that interaction. I need that interaction. We as players need that interaction. No, you don't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> an interaction, sure. An interaction with fans, fun ones, back and forth, even some of the fun heckling. But that we don't need. Nobody needs that. It's just trash is what it is. And the fact that we even have courtside seats, I don't care about rapid testing because it is incredibly um, difficult to determine, especially with the amount of time that the, the virus could be incubating, whether that's genuinely safe or not. I don't think we need courtside seats, but we especially don't need people refusing to wear their masks, screaming and releasing spittle in the direction of these players. Well, and to that end, I think that's one of the things that really hit me when I saw it was all kidding aside about the moment and uh, the viral moment it's become, there are only a few teams that are allowing anybody in. So the people that get into the arena have a lot on their shoulders in my mind because there is some responsibility of the precedent that's being set and they're testing all of it. What can work? What doesn't work? How safe can we feel? And right now when you see moments like that, it's got to make other arenas that aren't as comfortable allowing people in the stands to say, well, that's the one look we can't have. So maybe we hold off. I mean, this is that that, uh, elementary school moment where you're looking around saying, you are ruining it for everybody. And that's what kept haunting me every time I saw her pull her mask down so that she could make sure LeBron could hear her clearly. Yeah, it's a great point because not only does it make them think, okay, this is possibly the worst that can happen, but it also further endangers and stresses out the athletes who are already being asked to put trust in every other player and coach and official in that building, right? So to me, now you're saying to them, we also are going to put a whole handful of people who are not nearly as vested in being smart and safe. In fact, the sources reported that this woman, when she got yelled at for having her mask down, said, of course, I obviously already had COVID, which is funny uh, because it's, it seemed to belie some self-awareness. Right? <laughs> like, Of course, <laughs> look at me. I am definitely someone who already got it. But also <laughs> like the idea that they should have to wonder about these people and their behaviors and how it might affect them. There's already so much pressure. And you know, for this to happen shortly before this intended all-star game that they're trying to negotiate, I heard someone say this woman's like a harbinger of doom, right? You want to go to Atlanta, known for its nightlife, and also an area where there's a lot of people who are not following protocols, for an all-star weekend, which everybody treats essentially like another Super Bowl in terms of like parties and wiling out, plus pandemic, plus all the players coming in from different places and then dispersing and going back from where they came with the potential for the spread. And it's just, it it seems really risky. While you're tightening up other rules, you're going to open up the possibility of of a real spread from the All-Star game? I don't know. And Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, and that's such a great point. I mean, they are tightening up mask rules. They're trying to enforce things better. We've gotten to the point that, as we talked about last week, they're putting security around midcourt to make sure that people aren't slapping hands. But they're still going to figure out a way to get the All-Star game done. That seems so lazy to me by the NBA because there are creative ways to do this. And we saw this a little during pandemic, but you can't tell me in a 2K video game society that so much of the world around the NBA is that we couldn't find some way to do an NBA distanced moment where everybody's playing against each other on a video game version of it. They can televise it. They can talk to everybody during it. We can hear the trash talking. Like There are fun things that they could do for NBA fans to still recognize all-stars and give everybody the break, but not put anybody at additional risk. It makes no sense to me at this point to take any risk, even if it's just a risk in optics, when you don't have to in this COVID world. 
Yeah, there's a good story about it on .com by Woj, and he kind of goes through a bunch of stuff, including the very important sentence, safety protocols are among the details still being ironed out, right? A very (laughs) important detail. It is a big night. There is a ton of fan engagement. It is a tradition, unlike the other sports, that we get up for in the NBA. An NBA All-Star game is a good watch, unlike, say, the Pro Bowl, right? But the idea that this is already such a tight break because it's a compacted season, the fact that so many players are coming off of playing very recently in the bubble, all of that tied together, the games that are being missed by players for COVID and injury, it just feels like a real risk. And I don't know how much financial loss there is by losing that one event. I just don't know if it's worth getting greedy in a season that's already presenting so many challenges to try to get to the end safely and understanding the risks of anybody getting it, regardless of their age and health and everything else, adding another obstacle is is a risk. Well, and to that end, things like a dunk contest they could do in today's world with cameras in every arena and keep everybody at home. I mean, each of those things could be done. There's still creative ways they can do it. You're absolutely right that uh, obviously the compacted schedule should make a difference. And I'd say even the fact that we we still don't know what the second half schedule is going to look like, how many games will be made up, and what they'll have to do to adjust to that. You don't want to put any wear and tear on anybody when you don't know what the second half of your season could even possibly look like. So I think it's a huge mistake by the NBA to even be considering it. It's Bain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Okay, we've been talking about it all week. How do the Chiefs beat uh, Brady? Well, coming up next, we'll talk to somebody that knows exactly what it's like to beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. We'll do that next coming up for you. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and as always on the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It might not feel like it, but it's Super Week. We are getting ever closer to the big game on Sunday. And even though we don't have big, meaty topics that are arguing, well, a lot of people are arguing over meaty topics, but they're not the kind that we're into here because we're kind of over the legacy talk. But we got some other good stuff to get to. And Mina Kimes just brought up a great one, which is Steve Spagnola's defense and the success that he's had against Brady. So we're going to get into that with a guest next. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And it's time for a little straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Joining us for that former NFL linebacker, Kavika Mitchell. Kavika, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. So you were a part of that Giants defense under Spagnuolo that beat Brady's Patriots in Super Bowl Forty Two was uh, you know the perfect season disrupted. You had a sack on Brady in that game. We just heard from Mina Kimes the great record that Spagnola has against Brady. To what do you attribute that success uh, and that ability to game plan against the GOAT? Well, I think, uh, you know, the way that he built the defense from the ground up just with a solid foundation allowed us to really get better and better, you know, as the year went on. And by the time we got to the playoffs in the Super Bowl, we were hitting, you know, we were full stride. And uh, having the defensive line that we had, Definitely helped the situation. You know, allowed us to do a lot more with the defensive backs and the linebackers, and uh, it all kind of just came together. And, and obviously, Spags was a, a a big instrument in that. So, can we get what's what's real here? Because so often we talk about quarterback versus def- defensive coordinator and how they begin to adjust for each other. So, if you're Brady and you're watching all of this film and you're Spags and you're watching everything on Brady, like how much do the does past success for Spagnola actually impact what he's going to implement into this game? Um, I have to think that it plays some of, you know, a little bit of a part. Um, you know, I think Brady knows what Spags <laughs> is capable of doing. Um, he's had his number a couple of times, and 
the point of the game, especially in this type of game, is if you can disrupt the quarterback, especially when you have quarterbacks uh, like the two that are playing. And uh, if you can do that, you have a better chance of winning the game. Former Giant Kavika Mitchell with us here on Spain and Fitz. If you can take us back into that game planning for the week before, um, how do the coaches talk about facing a guy like Brady? Is it X is an O, straight as an arrow, or do you actually get into the idea of not being overwhelmed by the moment or, or you know, any of that other stuff that surrounds that legend of Brady? Uh, well, Spags brought his experience uh, from Philly where he where he lost. And, uh, you know, he, he definitely reminded us that it's <laughs> – we're not there for the parties. We're not there to celebrate. You know, we're there to win a game. And, and he, he brought that experience to the table. And then having Strahan, you know, trying to win a Super Bowl for him, you know, definitely helped the situation. But when it comes to X's and O's, um, yeah, it definitely plays a big role in it because, you know, a guy like Tom Brady, he, he knows what you're doing. And uh, it's really about execution. And, and the best thing I liked about that defensive scheme and, and what we did all year was, we try to dictate what the offense was doing. You know, a lot of times the offense would dictate what the defense is doing. And, you know, the way we stuck to our plan and really just lined up and, and did what we were going to do um, allowed us to have the upper hand in, in a lot of situations. We're talking to former NFL linebacker Kavika Mitchell on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So, Kavika, I'm always interested in the Super Bowl, particularly in adrenaline. You've waited your whole life to get to this moment. It means so much. How long does it take somebody in the Super Bowl to actually settle in and just – play the football they're used to playing? Oh, man, I, I couldn't breathe for the first quarter. <laughs> uh, and it's something that, you know, I was waiting for the, the lights to flash and, and everybody's camera, and I got to experience that and, and, and you know, playing against the undefeated Patriots. and it, It's just it's it's so much fun, um, and it's something, like you said, you wait your whole life for. And, um, you know, you're trying to go as hard as you can, but really you got to play smart. you got to get everything under control. But for me, it probably took about a quarter uh, to realize what was happening. Talking to Kavika Mitchell, former Super Bowl winner, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the Chiefs deciding to fly to Tampa on Saturday. Uh, not not mm. just because of potential weather or flight delays. The jet has an issue. Someone, you know, has trouble flying without getting a tummy ache or, or something else like that. Talk us through that part of it. Do you think that that is a positive for this team to not get distracted in advance or difficult to to get yourself into the right mindset with only a night to get ready? Uh, I I think it's an interesting way of doing it. Um, You know, it's it's exactly what you would do during the regular season, so I can kind of see why they're doing it that way. Uh, There are a bunch of distractions. You know, they – they have a bunch of vets on their team, so I, I wouldn't be so worried about that. But again, you know, Andy Reid and and his and his team and everybody on on board, they seem to do their own thing, and it seems to be working. So, yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not really going to question that. You know, I'm sure he has a plan, and I'm sure they'll execute it. So, speaking of that plan and the way they execute it, Steve Spagnuolo. Again, we've we've referenced how much success he's had within the game. Once you start the game, uh, how much communication is there? Like, what are the key adjustments that he makes with his players to to have so much success? Well, you <clears throat> just for an example, you know, we're, we're definitely talking the whole game, and you know, we had a guy like Antonio Pierce, who's one of the smartest guys like I ever had a chance to play with, and uh, you know, Spags. The interesting part is you mentioned that sack that I had and. <clears throat> all year long, you know, we showed the tendency that 100% of the time when I was lined up in that, in the spot I was lined up in, up in, inside the offense and defensive line, 100% of the time I dropped out and I didn't rush. So he came to me during the game. He said, listen, 
this is the time I want you to rush. Act like you're going to drop. They'll, they'll take the bait and then rush and get the quarterback. So we saved that all year long. We pulled it out for the Super Bowl, and it, and it came through. So that's just a great example of how you continue to, to play the game within the game. It's Spain and Fitz here, Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. We're talking to former NFL linebacker Kavika Mitchell. You actually played for the Chiefs as well. Um, you got a, you got a dog in this fight. You know who you're. You know is it is it is it the guy in, in the goat that you want to see win another? Is it the former team? Oh man, it's a it's a good question. Um, I have a lot of respect for Tom. Obviously, going up against him and what he's been able to do. Um, I, I got the Chiefs in this one. You know, I think they're going to be a little bit too much for the for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, I do think it would be awesome to see Tom do it with another team. But you know, if anybody matches up, I think Tampa does. You know, they have a bunch of weapons. They have the defensive line that can get after the quarterback. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think Kansas City is probably going to have a little bit too much for them. Kavika, we've been telling some stories from our side of just being around the Super Bowl and media over the years. Obviously, you have a win. Is there a moment from that game that you look back on still and think of that as your like favorite Super Bowl memory? Uh, yeah, I mean the catch. You know, you can't you can't forget that. And I was I was watching highlights today um, and just watching Eli during that entire drive. You know, third down situations. He's scrambling. He's breaking tackles. Where a fourth and one situation and, and, and then it came the catch where, you know, they're getting ready to blow it dead and he just basically he was possessed the whole the whole series because he was doing things that I've never seen him do and uh you know, things he didn't do all season long and you know, I'm happy. You know, whatever it took, it it came through but you know and it came down to the end. They still had Randy Moss and they had Tom Brady. So, you know, we weren't relaxing at, at any point until it was actually over. Spain and Fitz, we're talking to former NFL linebacker Kavika Mitchell. You also played for the Bills, who had a great season and seemed to be getting started on a, on a great track as well. Uh, so you, you got a lot of uh, fun former teams to watch this season and, of course, on Sunday. And uh, you're also teammates with my old buddy Kevin Booth from Cornell. Uh, so uh, always bring the Cornell thing in. Gosh. Always do, man. I always do. My guy Kevin Booth, have, he always gets a shout-out. Whenever I talk to his old Giants teammates, uh, thanks for the time. Do you got a score for us on Sunday? We're putting everyone's predictions up. We're going to see who's closest. Oh, wow. Uh, let's go. I'm going to go 28 to 13, Kansas City. All right. Ooh. Awesome stuff. Hey, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kavika. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Kavika Mitchell with us, giving you the straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Listen, dude, if I'm friends with a Super Bowl champion, I'm going to throw his name out as often as possible, especially when he is the pride of Cornell Big Red football. Not, look, know. I got nothing to say. Just to, you, you let know, me know I when thought... someone from Juilliard is in the Super Bowl and not performing at halftime, which I'm sure has happened a million times. <sighs> I mean, in the football part. <laughs> mm-hmm. Coming up, another story coming out of baseball, couple stories coming out of baseball that we got to get to, including a start time that has a lot of people scratching their heads. We'll get to it next on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. To Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can get it on iTunes, podcast app, ESPN app, all the good stuff. And sometimes we have some good pre-party and after-party content you can only get on the podcast. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and we are going to get back to some Super Bowl and NFL stuff. But there's a lot going on in the sports world that we need to squeeze in, and when we got to do that, we always lean on quickies. 
Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. Let's start with the baseball schedule, Fitz. I'm admittedly have been knee-deep in NFL stuff and not digging in as much as I might have, especially back in the summer when we were trying to figure out all the little intricacies of the union versus the the the, the league on the length of schedule and everything else. But the Players Association has officially rejected Major League Baseball's proposal to delay the season. So as of right now, they're starting spring training and the regular season as scheduled. And to me... Uh, you know, the promises felt like they were honest and genuine. We'll give you the same amount of money, even if we're shortened, even if we start late. And the union balked. They didn't like the language in the proposal. They thought that Rob Manfred would be too powerful in terms of his ability to cancel games and move things around if there was an outbreak and ultimately said, we're sticking with the normal. What do you make of this decision? It's another strange negotiation spot that we're in. And, And look, last summer, I feel like I trashed Major League Baseball a lot for constantly having very public conversations about money mm-hmm. and what was going to happen Rightfully for everybody's so. money. And, you know, in the end, they managed to get something done and they managed to get a World Series champion uh, crown. So that's fine. But I just feel like we're back to where we were again. Like we're having these contentious labor conversations in the middle of a pandemic that's destroying the economy globally at this point. So, you know, I think at some point I always scream for transparency. I'll admit that at some point maybe just – Close the door and don't give us so much transparency. Have these conversations quietly and privately and come to some sort of a conclusion. I don't know why this needs to be such a loud and contentious negotiation constantly with Major League Baseball when everybody else seems to figure out a way somehow, some way to get it done. Well, the reason is because they're contentious and because they are not being up. These arguments are not being done in good faith. And that was the issue last summer. Right. The reason they were public with it is so that they could continue to act like they were moving towards progress when, in fact, MLB was just dragging their heels until it was too late for any option other than the one they desired to be put into place. They didn't want to pay them a full amount and they wanted to wait till it was too late for what the player side wanted to be put into place. And so. This is a different situation, but I still think the contentious nature of it all is what leads to this over and over again. These two sides do not get along. And unlike other leagues where they found some balance between the union and the league, uh, it hasn't happened in baseball. And I think it's going to keep doing uh, this to the sport and to the two sides until they come up with a a better CBA that somehow has resolved some of the issues that they keep coming to blows on. Uh, We'll see how it works to try to start on time uh, even as Arizona for the Cactus League is saying, we're not ready. We can't do this. Well, they're plowing That's ahead. your annual trip, Sarah. Like, what are you going yeah. to Have you made well, any thoughts or plans? Yeah, I did. I booked a flight. I have only flown okay. once during the pandemic last August for my birthday for one week. And uh, I'm, I'm getting a little itchy here. I think I've told you guys I'm having some troubles. <laughs> Nothing to look forward to. No plans. Can't leave the house. So we're going to go, but I don't think I'll end up being allowed to watch any baseball. We'll see. We'll see if they have a very limited number of people. We're certainly not going to have the, you know, 80-person party or even a five-person party. It might just be two or three of us and at least be in the sunshine and be near baseball. We will see. Uh, I can barely plan two days in advance, not to mention a month. So we'll find out. Two or three of us. That did that mean I just got invited? Yes. Ah, uh, no. Oh, every year, uh, unless you want to finally <laughs> pick a darn team, and I will make the sacrifice of inviting you to Arizona <laughs> if you will finally just settle on a darn baseball team. Um, there's other news in baseball that's not great, and yet not at all surprising. Mickey Calloway, who was the manager of the Mets and is now the pitching coach for the Angels, accused by five different women of inappropriate behavior, including sending shirtless photographs, a request for nude pictures, and other advances. This originally came out of The Athletic on Monday night. Um, in addition to the women who spoke uh, anonymously, 
for the story. There were also several other women who said that it was the worst kept secret in baseball. Um, there was uh, uh, interactions that were detailed, including some of the texts and including uh, lewd messages, inappropriate comments on appearance. In one instance, uh, a woman claimed that uh, Calloway thrust his crotch near her face while she tried to do an interview. Uh, his response was rather than rush to respond to these general allegations of which I have just been made aware, I look forward to an opportunity to provide more specific responses. Any relationship in which I engaged has been consensual and my conduct was in no way intended to be disrespectful to any women involved. I am married and my wife has been made aware of these general allegations. So in the meantime, MLB is going to investigate. The Angels have suspended Callaway while they look into it. And I think the claim there fits is that until they could do a full investigation, they don't want to be subject to being accused of firing without cause. I'm sure there's some contractual stuff in there as well if he's fired without an investigation. So for right now, that's the step they're taking. Well, and I think, you know, at this point, if that's the best step they can take, then that's the right step. But uh, now I'll go back to the transparency thing I always talk about. At this point, I think it becomes important uh, that the Angels as an organization are clear about whatever they knew. If it's the worst kept secret in baseball, uh, yep. how much do they know? Uh, at what point did Same they the become aware? <laughs> I mean, these are the sorts of questions we need to be asking, because if it's a hiring practice, then I think transparency should be part of the way that they handle the entire situation. I I, I just know that if I ran a business and I I had no knowledge of it, I would want to stand up and loudly say that so that everybody knew exactly where I stood. Yeah, and the difference, of course, with Mets GM Jared Porter was that he owned up to his transgressions and was fired um, as a result of them. There's a bit more, I guess, gray area in here in that Callaway is currently defending himself uh, and not not owning up to them uh like you said the athlete the angels have to have to answer to to anything that they might have known and so do the mets i don't want to say i feel bad for mets fans but i mean the mess of stories coming out in this brief amount of time where they were supposed to be hopeful about a new owner beyond porter beyond callaway add into that steve cohen essentially getting run off twitter for death threats because of his involvement in the GameStop and which side he's defending in the stock market and everything else it's just it's very Mets. And, uh, you know, those fans that were really excited about a fresh start have not have not gotten that. That's for sure. Um, so still still a bit of a mess over there to be cleaned up. Uh, in the meantime, much better news in the WNBA as free agency deals made official. And uh, one of those which we talked about already, Candace Parker coming to Chicago did her her little Zoom today, and it was like 100-plus media members. And one of my friends, um, Maggie Hendricks, was like, all right, listen, welcome to this, but until you go to a game, I'm not giving you my almonds and my Capri Suns. I get that you're excited <laughs> about the sky now, but I've been here for a while. Uh, but it is exciting. It's so exciting to bring a star here. Look, and that's just, just the beginning of it. We're all so pumped. To, Diana Taurasi has uh, decided to remain with the Mercury on her new deal uh, which is just an incredible moment, by the way. A 16-year veteran with the only WNBA team she's ever been on. I mean, uh, I, I feel like I almost take her greatness for granted at some mm-hmm. point and her inclusion in the WNBA for granted. There are certain names that have just become synonymous with the sport, and uh, you know she's one of them. And to see that she's going to come back and stay with that team, like these are, these are cool and exciting moments for the WNBA. Yeah, there was a fun clip on, uh, on the jump where Rachel Nichols just threw it to Zach Lowe, who's a massive Taurasi fan. He was like, I don't even know what to say. I act like a little kid around her. She's the GOAT. She's a certified you-know-what. And I'm so excited that we get to keep watching her. And it kind of felt like Zach Lowe is all of us. We're all just still, it's it's me and Sue Bird. It's Dinah Taurasi. It's those players that have been around for 13, 14, 15, 16 years, Candace Parker, that we just want them to keep hanging on so we can keep watching them. 
Sue Bird's an interesting one, too. Some of that salary cap situation we figured out before she resigns with the Storm, but she is expected back. Uh, but, yeah, lots of enthusiasm and excitement around that season, and especially here in Chicago as Candace Parker comes home, which I love. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Coming up, what's it like to try Tom Brady's insane diet? Someone actually tried it and tried to document it. We'll tell you how he did. It's coming up next on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You get all sorts of great stuff. I don't think I'll forget last night's pre-party for a very long time. So if there's ever been <laughs> a reason to I. click and subscribe, it is absolutely that. I had long. to order but, a new rug today, if that gives anyone a hint. Yeah, you will. If you've ever owned a dog, you will have a moment in this uh, in that pre-party where you say, uh-huh, been there, done that, worst yeah. nightmare. Go check it out. Uh, be sure to subscribe. In the meantime, let's head over to the Goodyear Hotline. We've been doing a lot of Super Bowl preview, but let's get to the most important part of the Super Bowl, and that's TB12. Uh, Pete Blackburn joins us. You can check him out on CBSSports.com. Pete, thanks so much for the time. I love this line. You you, you wrote this, and I'm just going to let let it simmer for the world where it says, I used to work out frequently, attempt to eat well, and at least make a casual effort to pretend that I take care of myself. Over the last year or so, my brand has essentially become cigarettes, cheap beer, frozen pizza, marathon video game sessions, and deteriorating hygiene. So first of all, <laughs> I think we should be best friends. Second of all, then you, di- you just decided to deep dive into TB12. So Walk me through a little bit of the first day, just the first day of TB12 when you haven't been living that lifestyle and now suddenly you're all in on the diet plan. Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to clarify that it was not my idea to dive into this. I would absolutely <laughs> never, never even consider the TB12 diet. It was my editor's idea. Uh, the day number one was essentially just uh, food shopping because there's nothing in my house that would clear the, the protocols for, for the TB12 <laughs> diet. So uh, I did a whole foods trip and, and got myself ready for, for the week. And, um, you know, I, I kind of honestly avoided eating for like almost a full day just because I was dreading, uh, dreading the, the effort that would go into actually preparing these meals. I love the fact that you were a Patriots fan. So Tom Brady is essentially an ex who's off doing great with his new fling. And so you needed to get in shape. That's how it always works, right? You see your ex thriving and you're like, I got to get myself back together and get out there. Uh, so I appreciate that you decided to, to invest in yourself. Uh, it didn't last that long, though, right? How long into this effort did you cheat? Uh, I would say that I unknowingly cheated uh, like the first couple of days. There were... <laughs> Uh, some words involved with the uh, the protocols that I, I was not aware of, and I accidentally maybe snuck a few ingredients in that I shouldn't have. I mean, uh, who doesn't like, know that the... yogurt is dairy? <laughs> <laughs> or that granola is all sugar? No, 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 no. Anyone who's ever had to care about this before has known this since they were like 11 and puberty hit, and they had to start counting calories. I, I love that you're just new to this. What, what's your level oh, of frustration, though, when it. you're I'm like... I'm very new to taking care of myself or like looking at anything that is in my food. And, and so here you are sacrificing. You feel like you're doing a great job, and then you find out that you're actually breaking all of the rules. Like uh, w- Within FCC limitations, what's the reaction to that? Uh, I mean, the first couple of days was, was tough. I, I would say one of the, one of the hardest things and it's surprising, but like one of the hardest things is how much water you have to drink. Uh, you have to half your body weight and drink that in Oof. ounces, which is 
isn't really like an awful um, premise or like it should be easy, but number one, I don't drink a ton of water to begin with. Uh, I know that I should be better about that. And I have been better since doing the TB12 diet. So at least that, that's going, <laughs> I got that going for me. Um, but number two, I think a big part of it is, well, like if you're on a TB12 diet, you're probably working out. If you're Tom Brady, you're obviously working out. You're doing, you're sweating a lot of that water out. I've been sitting in a chair for like 22 <laughs> out of 24 hours a day. So there was no sweating happening. Uh, and, and so I was retaining all that water and I, I was basically drowning in my own water inside of me. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, the food made me so gassy. <laughs> it made me so gassy. It was just farting after farting for days on end. And it was, it was pretty brutal. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to CBSSports.com's Pete Blackburn, who tried to do the TB12 diet for a week. Uh, I'm a vegetarian, so my meat-loving friends like to just send me pictures where uh, where it says it's getting windy in here whenever I post pictures of my food because it's just all a giant pile of vegetables. Eventually, your body adjusts to that, and you don't just walk around tooting all day. But I can imagine it was uncomfortable for you a week in. Outside of the, the water, which you seem to think is a positive is there any other part of this that you plan to associate with your everyday life or incorporate i should say oh, i mean realizing that that yogurt is dairy is, is a valuable <laughs> lesson to be learned uh i guess just the i mean like i i learned how to cook some things that i wouldn't have otherwise like i i you're not a, a meat person like i'm almost predominantly meat like i don't do a ton of sides and uh with how much vegetables are in nuts are involved in this diet i i've sort of learned how easy it is to do a lot of these these sides so maybe now when i when i cook my chicken or my steak uh i'll realize that it's not very daunting to throw in a few sides of vegetables and that'll probably do me good in the long run all right so pete i have what has been termed by some of my friends possibly you know a bit of a addictive compulsive personality so when i go in on something just a little bit i go all in so how realistic, if somebody really wanted to go just all in on TB12 and they were totally committed, is it truly attainable for the for the normal person in your mind? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, you might not go to the extent that like Tom Brady does where he doesn't do like tomatoes and, and like all these different things that like Brady doesn't even do coffee. And uh, I would say a big takeaway from this is that like the TB12 diet is not Tom Brady's diet. It's just like... Uh, under the umbrella, I suppose, in what he believes, but it is—it's—it's definitely not as hard or as um, like daunting as I thought it might be to actually complete it. Will I be doing it? No, because I enjoy <laughs> too many of the things that are outside of that spectrum. But I, I think that if you are committed to doing it, uh, you absolutely can. Um, and. Number two, like I, I can't say that it doesn't work because I was on it for a week. And when you're on a diet, you need to, to commit more more than a week. Yeah. And so I don't have any grand takeaways as to the effectiveness. But like in terms of the ease, it wasn't as bad as I thought it might be. Pete Blackburn of CBSSports.com is with us talking about doing the TB12 diet for one week. Yeah, it's mostly just like a anti-inflammatory, high-protein, low-carb kind of thing. Uh, but but it does seem daunting when you hear about the things you have to go without. One of the things you get to have plenty of is avocados, which I love. 
And you have a terrible take on those, which is that they will never be enjoyable for you. And I'm sad that I am late to the party because you said your menchies were full of avocado defenders. And that would have been me. I would have spent a lot of time sending you pictures of presents that I've wrapped in paper that has avocados doing workouts on it. Um, I would have sent you any number of delicious recipes that I've come up with to help try to turn the tide for you. Uh, I'm just sad for you is really what it is. It comes down to sadness that you can't enjoy the greatness of an avocado. Um, Was there anything that you discovered you did like that you hadn't had before? Uh, No, not really, (laughs) if we're being honest. Uh, Diet food sucks. (laughs) I sort of of learned that uh, um, quinoa pairs pairs better with things than I, I may have expect, expected. Yeah. Like quinoa, is, I've always good. thought is, is pretty good, and, and uh, I enjoy it. And it's never something that, that really crosses my mind a, a whole a whole lot. But I think that it'll be in in steadier rotation now. I think quinoa is pretty pretty great. But yeah, I'm I'm big out on avocados. Um, I, I think they're they're an o- overrated as a food. Like it horrifies me when people say that they eat avocados. Great. And, and oh just, yeah, like, take a little salt and pepper my favorite for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. magical. My favorites. Horrifying to me. Oh. <laughs> Bad food, overrated topping slash ingredient is my stance on avocados. Wow, wow. Pete, I, I thought we were going to be besties, and now I feel like we took a step back in our friendship. <laughs> yeah. uh, the the real question here: If I do TB12 for a long time, can I get that dashing jawline that Tom Brady has? Uh, who is your surgeon? Because that might that might answer the question. <laughs> Even better, fine. If that's the route we're taking, just refer me to somebody where I can get lipo and a jawline. Okay. Okay, maybe not yeah, maybe not a jawline, but do you have a wrinkle free face and a rocket laser arm? I I'm working on the the wrinkle free face. Uh (laughs) the rocket arm, absolutely not, especially after uh just not doing any physical activity for the last year plus. You did it for a whole week and it didn't even get you a laser rocket arm. That's so messed up. Yeah, I don't have a supermodel wife or six Super Bowl <laughs> rings either, so it's this thing's a scam. You get those in week two. That's that's where that that's comes so in. Follow him on Twitter at Pete Blackburn. You can check out the article on CBSSports.com. Pete, we appreciate you hanging out with us, giving us the insight. We'll get you turned on the avocado thing over time, but I'm not sure oh, yeah. any of us are gonna go T B twelve. Not we the ice cream you, though. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Pete. Uh, Pete was brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. And I'm with Sarah on this one. Like, you just cut up a nice little avocado, put a little salt and pepper on it, throw it on the plate. Mm, I could eat that all day, every day. Okay, we've been asking you uh, throughout the course of the show to give us your most clever way you ever got out of work. Thanks to Gronk. We'll explain and we'll get some of your reactions coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. I understand why it has to be either or. I mean, it can be (laughs) both. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series XM channel. Ladies, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. uh, Don't forget, by the way, tomorrow, Saints head coach Sean Payton will join KJ and Z tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. Want to be sure to check that out. And uh, they'll continue to get you caught up and ready for the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. In the meantime, Gronk uh, is the gift that keeps on giving Sarah as he admitted uh, over the course of his Zoom call that he would change shirts because they had to show proof that they'd been working out, right? So he changed shirts and did a few reps in one shirt and then a few reps in the next, a few reps in the next. And that way coaches looked at it and thought, oh, he's working out. Look at all the outfit changes. Like apparently they've never seen a Britney Spears concert. There's multiple (laughs) outfits in one thing. But it had us wondering uh, what were some great stories about getting out of work. And, you know, for me, I, I don't know that I necessarily have a great getting out of work story, but I will tell you when I was a little kid, um, you know, when you play the violin for hours and hours and hours, uh, you get a, a, a callus on your neck mm-hmm. where the, the violin sits. And it honestly, when you're in grade school, it looks like this massive hickey. So it's just this big, 
you know, this big, like, inflamed thing, growth on your neck. So when I was a little kid, I used to tell my parents that I'd practiced, but when you're practicing eight hours a day, it will irritate that, right? So, like, eventually uh, they started to notice. So my mom would look at me and be like, uh-uh, you did not practice because uh, the mark on your neck is not swollen. So I can tell you didn't practice. Oh. So what I started to do is I would, like, move my violin case from one room to another, to from one area to the other while they were gone. And I would just sit there for the duration of the entire time that I was trying to get out of practice, and I would rub the one spot on my neck over and over and over again until it was, like, raw and inflamed. That way when my mom would come home, she'd be like, oh, well, your neck is red. That means you obviously did your practice. <laughs> but after a while, I figured out that that hurt more than the practice practice itself so it got me out occasionally but it wasn't it wasn't something i could consistently do you know what next time you tell that story you should definitely have a girlfriend that gives you hickeys instead of you practicing again it was the violin not a guitar there wasn't a chance i was getting a girlfriend anywhere in that process Come on now. okay so i have a story uh about uh getting out of work i, I wasn't I, I i okay well let's tell the story so my current husband brad and i met right when i moved back to chicago from la at a blackhawks charity event we became Facebook friends. I was befriending anyone in the sports business, and I would send people an email after I met them. Hey, nice to meet you. You know, maybe we could work together in the future or whatever else. Like, just trying to open up because I hadn't been in Chicago in years. I wanted to open up some lines of communication for people that, you know, knew the knew the industry. So we become Facebook friends. We don't really talk or anything. You know, fast forward. That's November. Now we're into July, and he invites me to go to a Cubs-Cardinals game on a Friday afternoon at Wrigley. I'm poor. I'm like, yeah, I want to go sit in the bleachers and watch the game. Let me figure out how to get out of work. So I convince my bosses that I'm going to go to Wrigley and do a video pregame where I interview Cubs and Cardinals fans about facts about their team and say which team knows their, you know, which fan knows their team better. But the Cubs ones are super easy and the Cardinals ones are really difficult. That was the bit, right? So then I have to convince another friend who has a real estate job to be my camera person because the regular one couldn't come with me. And then I figure I'm already here, right? So then I just go to the game. I don't go back to the office. I end up on TV next to Brad, now my husband, then not anything, just a, a work person that I was meeting at the game. And we end up on TV and they talk uh, like over us. And I get a text from my boss that says, enjoying the game, Ferris. <laughs> because, of course, Ferris Bueller was at a Cubs game and spotted by Principal Rooney, you know, in the stands or whatever. Um, so, yeah. So there's that part of the story. Yada, yada. We go on and get married. It's a great. Our technical first quote unquote date was at Wrigley. But this was from 2018. I know I'm not supposed to play stuff off my, off my phone. We'll see if it works. But see if you can recognize this voice telling the story. Uh, this last one is from uh, at Sarah Spain from ESPN. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for uh, playing the game. love Sarah Spain. She says, uh, I went on my first date with my now husband to a Cubs-Cardinals day game at Wrigley Field. Boss wow. saw us in the bleachers on TV and texted me, how's the game, Ferris? There you go. Those are tonight's show hashtags. Check out more of our yeah. favorites. So that's Jimmy Fallon. And yeah, did Jimmy you hear him Fallon say, loves I Sarah love Spain. Sarah Spain? Did, did I mean, you hear that part? I, I heard that part. And we haven't gotten him on the show? Like, what, what, what are we doing here, Sarah? I like, don't know what we're doing, to be honest oh with you. But it's the, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I did a, a feature on the bleachers. And uh, all the crazy stories that came from it and ended it with a little coda about, you know, and some people like Cubs owner Tom Ricketts and yours truly even are lucky enough to meet our spouse in the bleachers. So uh, gift that keeps on giving my ditching out of work, uh, which that, sounds that better is... than some of the other people that message us online about their ways of getting out of work. Yeah, I like CMC Cardinals fan <laughs> who said wore an air cast on my ankle and faked a limp to get a weekend off, which turned into having to wear it the following week to sell it, which resulted in being stuck at the cash register all week. I'm just... <laughs> Like, that's a commitment. And then, like, three years later when they're like, oh, man, well, you hurt your ankle before, you'd be like, no, I, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, that's I, right. I, 
Yeah. yeah. I, I lied about food poisoning once, and then I got food poisoning a month later, and I was like, I will never lie about this. This is not a joking matter. This is terrible. Um, at the Undersword dog side said, got scheduled for a Saturday shift on Friday at a manufacturing facility. My band had a show. I called our national call-in number to tell them I wouldn't make it in. Reason? Flatulence-induced dysentery. I was not penalized or questioned. <laughs> Well, if I was the boss, I wouldn't question that at all. I, I mean, that's that's a that's a brilliant one. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> Doctor Henry says hanging an out of gas sign in the window of the station I was working at during the Super Bowl in '87. Like, also very clever. I mean, hey, guys, no we're station, just out of gas. Out of There's gas. no gas. Yeah, what left are you going to do? Um, at Fat Boy Nine Three Three, who appears to be a radio host, uh, said he, in other words, pooped himself and threatened to sit in everybody's chair unless he got to leave. If you were not fired, I would like to know where you worked at the time and why yeah, like, you were able to retain your employment. I mean, there's just a moment where you're like, hey, guys, um, just FYI, poop myself. Like, I mean, what, what's the next line when you're when you're hanging out with everybody at work? I mean, I think if you wanted to pull that trick and you did not care if everybody knew that you pooped yourself, you would be better off leaving and then texting someone this is wildly embarrassing. Please don't tell anyone, knowing, of course, that they're going to tell everyone. But I pooped myself when I had to go home. Not the, I'm going to sit in everyone's chair unless you let me leave. Like, I mean, that's that taking is it too a, far. I don't know. Like, if I was the boss, I'd be like, you're going to sit in it. You are a grown man, and you just pooped yourself, and now you're threatening us with it. So you're going to sit in it all day and think about what you did, young man. Like, I, I don't know how else you can react to that. It, it's... It's a bit of a disgusting play on it, but, you know, I'll give him some credit. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Uh, speaking of pooping himself, no, there's no transition to this. Uh, Kirk Cousins has not had the best <laughs> run with the Vikings. Uh, Let's he say often maybe... poops himself during primetime games. Look at that. See? Uh, but the rumor <laughs> mill is is running pretty pretty loudly at this point, and there are people trying to put Kirk Cousins with the 49ers. Sarah, is it too late? Like, Because I, I have this mindset that Kirk Cousins has been really defined by his contract, not by his play, and his contract hasn't uh, made his play worth it in the eyes of most Vikings fans. If he goes to the, the 49ers and even continues to play at a, a mediocre level but has such a good team around him, if he's better than Jimmy G and wins a lot, will people change their mind on Kirk Cousins or is the damage already done because of the money spent? Well, here's the problem. I do think oftentimes when you get a contract like that, you're always going to be held up to it. Even if you're fine, there's going to be an expectation that you were a letdown and a disappointment. I think the bigger issue is that I don't see why the Vikings would do this deal unless they know for sure that they've got a solid replacement. Because as much as Cousins isn't great or elite, he keeps them in the conversation right now. If you take a massive step back, you don't want, if you're the Vikings, to be in a rebuild right now. And there's a lot more risk at, say, acquiring Jimmy Garoppolo and hoping he can stay healthy and seeing what he can do with your team. I can understand the interest from the Niners. Kyle Shanahan and Kirk Cousins have a great history. He's wanted to get his hands back on him. But I don't know that that's that big of an upgrade from what you have with Garoppolo other than the health side of things. So for what it's going to cost the Niners, to me it doesn't make sense to make that move. And for the Viking side of things, unless you know who you're getting in his stead – I don't think you want to take a massive step back for somebody else stepping in. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that this is one of those deals that if it were going to get done, it wouldn't get done until after the draft. Minnesota picks 14th overall. So maybe if a quarterback they love falls to him. But even if that happens, Sarah, I could see them drafting a quarterback and keeping Kirk around while they give themselves a buffer and uh, they give themselves the opportunity to let that quarterback develop. Uh, coming up next, they need no development and they never poop themselves. Freddie and Fitzsimmons, <laughs> they'll start the show off with Chiefs fullback Anthony Sherman. You don't want to miss that. Thanks for hanging out with Spain Ooh. and Fitz on ESPN Radio. 
Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.